0: Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Alright y'all, we are going back to our roots. With a Midwest 2020
0: mini-tour. Oh, I can't wait. Thank goodness. Corn-fed entertainment. Tater tot hot dish. Mm, Hot dish
1: 2020. We are going to be in Indianapolis on March 18th, Chicago on the 19th, and... The Twin Cities, a.k.a. Minneapolis-St. Paul. Ever heard of it? On Saturday, March 21st. Got some more dates, Amanda. What else do we have?
0: From there, we're going to be going to St. Louis on March 23rd and Kansas City, Missouri, Trump, (laughs) on March 24th. Tickets can be found at our website, wineandcrimepodcast.com. So keep your eye out, get those trigger fingers ready, Mm -hmm. and buy them before they sell out, baby.
1: Yes, please. We can't wait to see you all. See you in March. You are listening to wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesota accent. Oh,
0: jeez. Don't you know it? Oh, jeez. crap. I feel oh, like crap. I really,
1: I really brad it with the accent this you week. You did. Oh, I crap.
0: Think. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, God. Oh, jeez. I, oh. <laughs> I was in northern Minnesota last weekend, and I heard an absolutely earnest, oh, crap. Like outside oh, yeah. of the VFW. Meat rally. It was so good. Yeah. I said the word walleye completely oh, yeah.
2: organically. It was so flat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, wow, that just slips right out.
0: I ordered Whoa. walleye chowder mm. at the restaurant we Whoa. ate at, and my God, was it good. If you're ever finding yourself seriously hardcore, if you're ever finding yourself in northern Minnesota, like in the Ely Grand Marais area, Mm. go to Poplar House Restaurant. It is Mm. exquisite, and it's like your Northwoods dream Mm. cream. How are their walleye tacos? Uh, They had a walleye pole boy, and it was phenom. Honestly, it was some of the best food I've ever had. It was so good. Mm. So good. Their cocktails, oh. I had a spruce margarita that had, like, locally foraged spruce, like, Little twigs in it twigs. as
1: garnish. <laughs> um, Zach <laughs> recently bought a bottle of gin here in South Africa, and it's called Inlovu Gin, which Inlovu means elephant. Mm-hmm. And um, we chatted with the the guy at the store who was like selling it, who's really into all of his different you know specialty boozes, and it said like elephant foraged plants. Like, Ooh. plant infusions. We were like, what does that mean, elephant forage? And he was like, literally, they're pulling berries out of elephant poop and cleaning them and f- infusing them in the gin.
0: <laughs> okay. I was totally
1: on board until that last Literally, part. elephant poop gin, oh, you guys.
2: I pictured the elephants, like, with little baskets on their backs, and they'd pick the berries with their <laughs> trunks and then put them in their baskets.
1: Well, basically, if their baskets nope. are their mouths. Baskets, bowels, same thing. hmm nah. What's in your basket? <laughs> okay.
0: I hate it. Who
1: are we? Okay, wait, before <laughs> oh, <right>. I'm Kenyon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm Lucy, probably. I don't even know anymore. I'm Amanda. <laughs> what even is a podcast? Everything is dust.
1: Okay, and before we get to the rest of the episode have an announcement. I'm not pregnant. Don't ask. Uh, Stop doing this to me. (laughs) You you two already know this, but it's now official so I can announce it on the pod. But in June, Zach and I will be moving back to the States. Oh, thank God. Bringing all of our elephant poop gin with us. Which means more live shows. That means a lot more live shows in the U.S., you guys, because I will be physically around and not having to deal with a 16-hour flight. I can't wait. And I'm going to be moving to
0: Louisville, Kentucky. Kentucky woman. She gets to know you. She gets to own you. This is truly the greatest fit of all time.
1: Really, really excited about the mint juleps and the hats. Mm. You are Um, a southern
0: woman at heart. You're going to be a horse girl before you know it. Oh, man. I know. With her back. Mm.
1: Right? (laughs) I think I want to. So anyway, uh, very, very excited. I don't really know anybody in Louisville, so uh, Wine Coven, if you're there... Let's hang out. Send me an e- Send an email yes. to this Wine and Crime Podcast at gmail.com, and we will
0: hang out after June. Oh my gosh, I'm so relieved that this is out there now because it's been so hard for me not to say anything. I know we've dropped and you'll like, like little hints, Louisville, and I'll be like, you're gonna nope, can't say it. Nope, nope,
1: nope. <laughs> it's finally official. It's a fish. Moving so to Kentucky, exciting.
0: the deep, Congrats. deep south, it's the deepest south. Your vote is gonna matter.
1: Yeah, well, we got to ditch Mitch, so. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my announcement. Ah,
0: So exciting. Such a good butt plug. All
1: right. Now let's move on to this week's topic. This week, we have a topic brought to you by the very special fan picker, Carrie Hammond. Thank you so much, Carrie. Carrie. Carrie has selected a topic that aligns with their first name. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think of when you think of Carrie? Wee, 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 yeah. wee, wee. I think of it was that was not My a crying
0: bag. dog. <laughs> <laughs> I can't carry that.
1: Well, this is more with Amanda's thought. So, this the topic is.
0: Horror homicides. I have been waiting to thrive in this role. I love horror movies so much. Mm -hmm. I
1: do not. So I was a little Mm. bit lost, but I think I pulled it out.
0: That's what she said. (laughs) I'm so excited.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Carrie. And what is our wine crime pairing for horror homicides?
0: We are drinking Wink Wine Club's Sounds Script Syrah since, you know, when you write horror, you might be pulling from reality and moments might go off the script. Oh. <laughs> oh tons. Made it fit. <laughs> Fits like a glove. Uh okay. this is a feature of Wink Wine Club. And I I we have not drank this particular Syrah before. It's a 2018 Syrah that they're featuring. And it looks really amazing, like all their other wines. They're an online wine club that literally sends wine to you, no pants required. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened since wine was invented millennia ago. Mm -hmm. And you can become a member or simply shop a la carte from their amazing inventory of wines. But membership is amazing, and I highly recommend checking them out. So you should go to trywink.com forward slash gals. That's T-R-Y-W-I-N-C dot com forward slash gals. They'll teach you a little bit about wine if you're kind of new to wine and you don't have a lot of confidence in what to pick. They literally have like a flavor quiz that will help you find wine that's good for your palate. I mean, it's awesome. They just walk you through it. It's incredible.
1: And, and they're international wines.
0: They've got yeah. a lot of
1: wines out of California, but they've got Italian wines, French mm-hmm. wines, Spanish, South African wines, New Zealand. Yeah, they,
0: it's amazing. Mm-hmm. They have a huge, beautiful inventory. And if it's your first time ordering from Wink and you use that promo code GALS, you get 20 bucks off your first box. And if you put more four or more bottles in your cart, which will be so easy to do, don't even worry about it. They take care of the shipping. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. try Wink.com forward slash GALS, 20 bucks off your first box. Treat your wine cellar. Um, This wine in particular is a medium-bodied fruit-forward Syrah with a flawless dry finish. It really sticks the landing. It's mm. a real final girl of a wine. See what I did there? Anyone?
2: No. no any horror buffs?
0: The final no. girl in a horror movie is like the last survivor. Like that last oh. scene at the end of Ch- Texas Chainsaw Massacre where the girl's like covered in blood, screaming, running down the street, trying to get someone to pull over oh, and help her. She's the final anyway.
1: girl. I only saw like the first five minutes of that movie and then I just Ugh. made out
0: with someone the rest
1: of the time. So great. I showed it to all
2: of my classes in China. They yes, were you did. too young. <laughs> uh,
0: you're a monster. So this what? one has tasting notes of blackberry, cocoa, eucalyptus, and plum. I personally love Syrahs. They might be like my second choice to Grenache, honestly, because they're juicy and approachable and fun alternatives that take you kind of out of your like Cabernet Merlot Pinot Noir comfort zone without sacrificing the flavor notes that you love in a medium bodied red. It's mm-hmm. super, super versatile when paired with food. So we can work with anything from like spicy barbecue, delish, to pasta with cream sauce, like all mm. things that I love. A thick soup is going to go so well with Syrah. Hungry. Oh God. Yeah, I know. I am too. Um, It's a super dynamic character in the horror story that is your life. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) This bottle clocks in at 13.7% ABV, and it is a popper, so you should reach for your nice pop wine key or purchase one at Mm podcast.bigcartel.com to get this sucker open. And then you can also use it to defend yourself against some horrible monsters that I'm sure we're going to be talking about today.
1: Ooh, I bet someone has defended themselves with a wine key in a horror I movie. I guarantee
0: before. it has happened in reality and actually, in
1: actually, like a vineyard with like a wine tasting cellar or cave mm-hmm. would be like a really good set for a horror
0: movie. Agreed. Let's write I'm it. Write this. Let's do this. Uh, But before we write our own horror movie that will absolutely flop at the box office, let's pop this bottle open. (laughs) It's going straight to Hulu. Don't kid yourselves. Not even. (laughs) I wish. (laughs) If we got it straight to Hulu, that would be a win. Yeah, true. It's going straight to YouTube or (laughs) self-publishing. Okay, here we go. Straight to TikTok. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, Oh, oh, horrific!
1: Pop. Spooky pap.
0: <laughs> My heart rate is just sky so high. I'm really excited mm-hmm. for Lucy's segment on this. To be honest, yeah.
1: let's get right to it. La, what? What's our background and maybe psych for horror homicides? Hara,
2: oh the horror! <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So,
2: horror movies have existed in the film genre for over a century, with the first being credited as Georges Méliès. Nailed it. Nailed it. (laughs) 1896, three minute short film, Le Manoir du Diable, or The House of the Devil, or The Haunted Castle. I did nail it, girl. Thank you. It's been a while la since I took, you know, high de school Diablo. French. La man where de Diablo. Man where? Where to
0: men? Ooh la la, la man where de Diablo. Eiffel oh, Tower, okay. am I right? Okay. I yep. gotta go. <laughs> Bye.
2: <laughs> or if where? <laughs> Kenyon has taken her own eyeballs out of her head. And yet can still hear. So I'm shoving them into my ear sockets. <laughs> so, Melier had first achieved fame as a magician. So, he partook in the turn of the century trend of extremely primitive special effects, basically, magic tricks on camera to inspire fear and terror in the audience. And these are were-
0: illusions, Michael. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and
2: these were called trick
1: films. What was that
2: from? Illusions. Um,
1: that's from That's from Arrested, Arrested Development. Development. <laughs> oh, okay. Gob Job. <laughs> it's so good.
0: They're illusions, Michael.
2: <laughs> so this is from Wikipedia. In his autobiography, Millier recalled a day when he was capturing footage on a Paris street when his camera jammed. Frustrated. Classic. I know. Frustrated, he fiddled with the hand crank.
0: <laughs> Classic. <laughs>
2: Fixed the problem and started shooting again. When he developed the film later and played it back, he discovered a new trick. The shot started with people walking, children skipping, and a horse-drawn omnibus. Uh, trundling up the street omnibus workers trundling up the street then in the, in the blink of an eye everything changed men turned into women children were replaced by horses and spookiest of all the omnibus full of workers changed into a hearse
0: oh Whoa. I like
2: that yeah so because of this, Melier had found a way to perform actual magic with editing to fool an audience and pull off illusions he'd never be able to do on stage. And thus the birth of trick films.
1: That's amazing wow, that that's literal so cool. film editing was an accident. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: But no one thought of it at yeah. all. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah,
2: well, at least this cool. was what it's credited for. I mean, who mm-hmm. knows if this actually happened before this it's guy, real. but— Stop ruining this. It's what this. we're going to go with. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and one amazing trick film that I discovered was called The Big Swallow, which came out in 1901. Oh, 19- in which a man appears to try to swallow the audience— That's a trick I refuse
0: to master.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I prefer to spit myself, but. Mm, The big spit. 1902. The big
0: finish in your own belly button like a gentleman.
2: (laughs) The big, why is my face down here? We've been married for a decade.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's not your birthday. (laughs) (laughs) I want to write the big, it's not your birthday. (laughs)
2: Okay, so beginning in 1910, studios began releasing films based on gothic literature like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein's Monster, Jekyll and Hyde, and Dante's Divine Comedy.
0: Then And we Dante's get- Peak starring what's-his-face, Pierce yep. Brosnan. Ah, uh, yes,
2: what's-his-face.
0: <laughs> beloved his- actor and storyteller what's, what's his, his face? face what's his
2: face should have an
1: imdb oh my god you know that brilliant. guy from that thing you know, yeah.
0: you, know. you know joe geronimo <laughs> it's so good. Mm-hmm. Mom, oh my God! don't you mean <laughs> I-,
2: I was trying to think of an she- actor Jake all. i was trying to think of uh, owen wilson's name the other day and uh I was like Corey, what's that guy's name? That guy with the nose. Wow,
0: wow, <laughs> oh, wow, wow, Wilson. And he was wow. like, he was
2: like, I don't know. And I was like,
1: yeah, you know, wow.
2: And he goes, oh, oh, wow. Wilson. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the struggle gets so real in your thirties, you guys. Yeah. For, any, for anyone younger than us, <laughs> just you wait. I need more vitamins. Henry Gins, just you wait. <laughs> oh God! All right.
2: So then we get to the 1920s with German Expressionism, which is just really bizarre and really disorienting. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of photos on the drive, which will be on the blog. Um, so an example of this is Robert Wines, which, mm-hmm. by the way, is Wiener without the R. Sure is. Mm-hmm. Robert Wiener's 1920 Das Cabinet de, des Doctor Caligari. Nailed it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so this film exhibited a unique style with settings painted onto canvas backdrops, and so they appeal- appeared, like, weirdly distorted in a lot of scenes. Mm. Um, ca- caricatures of narrow streets, misshapen walls, rhomboid windows, so, like, they're not square in that they have right angles. Like, it's a mm-hmm. four-sided object, you know, it's four-sided, but it's, like, a- We off. watched this
0: in a film class on, like, a large screen, because this mm. film class had, like, a massive projector. And it was pretty incredible, honestly, when you think of all the like craftsmanship that goes into creating these illusions before the era of like special effects as we know them today. Mm -hmm. Right. It's pretty incredible to watch. It was really cool. I recommend it. So
2: they would like, the director would like uh, paint light and shadows, like Mm -hmm. paint it directly onto the set.
3: Mm-hmm. So like
2: mm-hmm. when, as the camera moved and the shadows like maybe didn't, it's just really, mm-hmm. it's just really disorienting. Mm. So kind of cool. But that, but that qualifies as a horror film as we're discussing oh, yeah. the history and development of horror. Okay. Um, so Nosferatu, is that how you say it? Yep. Yeah. Was the first vampire themed movie released in 1922 and vampire... Th- the vampire theme for a long time was, like, the most prevalent
0: theme yeah. of horror movies.
2: Lots of vampires. Also, Nosferatu totally. is the
0: inspiration for Basement Boy.
1: Oh, there you go. okay. And also mm-hmm. what I'm going to name my first child.
0: 100%. And if you have not seen the movie <laughs> What We Do in the Shadows, oh, you God, have to it's watch so it. so so good. So <laughs> Kenyon will have it.
2: Nosferatu. I'll have Damien. Damien mm-hmm. Faye. And I'll have mm-hmm.
0: money because I'm not having kids. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Damn
0: it. I'll also have sleep and free time. Kids are Spoiled cheap if again. You just,
2: kids are cheap if you just lock them in the basement. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm just so going to drop mine them. off
0: at Amanda's house. No, and Be Too like, I, be I need, I need a minute. I'm moving to Africa. <laughs> my I
1: missed it. I'm
2: going back. <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay, so Nosferatu was released in 1922. The following year, Universal Pictures released the first of their monster movies um, with The Hunchback of Notre Dame, and more followed for the next 30 years. Like, Universal Pictures' monsters are—they made a splash, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, so those include Frankenstein, The Mummy, The Invisible Man, Dracula, Wolfman, all
0: those. Mm-hmm. All the good ones, all the classics. All the
2: classics. Mm-hmm. So then we go through the mid-century with Hitchcock and Vincent Price and Shirley Jackson and Roman Polanski and, like, ghost-centric Japanese horror films. Mm. Um, then we have splatter films, not to be confused with spatter films, in the mm. 1960s, which were, like, a precursor to torture porn movies with, like, quote-unquote, theat- the theatricality of mutilation and the mm. vulnerability of the human body. Yeah. So, like, ugh, yikes. That started in the 60s. And lest we forget, Hanna-Barbera's Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Mm. Yes. That was, like, you know, more digestible
0: horror for the kiddies. Mm-hmm. Uh, There is a really, really, really cool movie by Alfred Hitchcock called Rope that was filmed on, like, this soundstage that was almost built like a theatrical stage so that the entire movie can be shot in one take. Oh. And it's amazing. And, like, the way these cameras worked back then, you had to physically change out the film pack in the camera so he would do this cool camera trick where like he'd zoom in on the back of a character and then in that like three seconds of black screen there's literally like a pa changing out film so it can quickly just keep rolling on a new film that's nuts it was it's so cool that's it's such a cool movie so check that one out too yeah sorry this like gives me a huge boner because my dad and i used to watch like old horror movies on like Turner classics where they give you like all this background on how they did certain things in the movies it was like our favorite (laughs) thing so I just like lose my bladder every time we have we get to talk about stuff like this it makes me so excited I'll take it away I've basically never seen any of these I love it
2: I'll never forget watching stormy weather with your dad the best so good
0: Lena Horne. We watched The Lady Vanishes. Yeah, we did. In, and then reenacted sure, it in Well, cuz My dad had that like massive cassette, like VHS mm-hmm. collector's yeah. edition of like everything Hitchcock ever did. He my, loved Alfred my Hitchcock. My grandma
2: had the same thing. I don't think it was mm-hmm. exclusively Hitchcock, but I remember seeing The Tingler, which yeah. was one of those really bad special effects, but like really actually terrifying. Mm-hmm. The Birds, one so of my good. favorite
0: movies. The birds mm-hmm. on VHS is how it is meant to be watched. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like in a damp basement.
2: Yeah. It's like vinyl versus like yeah. digital. <laughs> you gotta mm-hmm. get it on
0: VHS. You got to adjust oh, the tracking God. and buckle up. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. So, the 1970s and 80s saw horror films turn from classic to modern, depicting aggressiveness and ruthlessness, plus more artistic qualities and societal themes. So, this was like the golden age of American horror films. Mm-hmm. Um, more and more films featured everyday settings with more of a dystopian worldview and occult themes. So, think The Omen and Rosemary's mm-hmm. Baby.
1: hmm Which we have talked about on the podcast. We did an mm -hmm. episode that involved Rosemary's baby. I can't remember what. And The Omen. Well,
0: and even like. It was Hollywood Curses or whatever. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And it's like, I think it's like Night of the Living Dead or even Dawn of the Dead, where it's like a zombie apocalypse, but like in a mall.
3: Mm.
2: And it's like
0: a whole take on capitalism and consumerism. And it's just like. All of these horror movies have like crazy undertones. It's amazing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, like, though that kind of started in the 60s, just having like mm-hmm. more um, social, like
0: hot takes almost. And now, Ari Aster, in my opinion, who did Hereditary oh, and God. Midsummer, is like the absolute genius of horror with exquisitely beautiful undertones about like human vulnerability mm-hmm. and how you can find yourself. In situations you never imagined, coming out of like tragedy and trauma, yep. it is so incredibly stunning and strong. And Midsummer is maybe one of my favorite movies ever. It's so because good. of how I they have just seen like Midsummer, and it is they, good. How they, like, depict shared grief and shared loss in this community mm-hmm. is, like, one of the most powerful things I have ever seen in my life. I was, like, stunned You by were ready scene. to move. You were like, I was okay, so ready. Give me the coordinates. I'm moving to this village. Oh, uh, I will absolutely hurl myself when it's time. I really, <laughs> I
2: really want that flower dress she has at the end when she's the May Queen. So oh,
0: stunning. So and pretty. I will feed my exes to a fiery bear. A thousand Amanda. percent. <laughs> if,
1: when and if you eventually get married, can you have a midsummer-themed wedding?
0: <gasps> I mean, at least a midsummer-themed bachelorette where we, like, ceremoniously flame-devour every awful man in my life. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: Okay. And then we'll just surround someone while they just have sex with, like, an attractive man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We'll get Vegas, naked. baby. Yeah. Vegas, baby.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sorry if you haven't seen Midsummer, and we basically just spoiled the entire movie.
2: Love you. It's so good. It's fine, but also if you haven't seen it yet, what are you doing? So the 70s also saw the subgenre of comedy horror. So like Bride of Frankenstein, Rocky Horror.
0: So mm-hmm. good. Comedy Young horror. Frankenstein, Mel Brooks, another mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies of all time.
2: hmm Oh, I think that's what I meant by the Bride of Frankenstein. I meant Young Frankenstein.
0: Probably. Gene Wilder is so brilliant in that. It's like not even fair. Uh-huh.
2: So lots of classics came along in the 70s and 80s like Jaws, The Shining, Carrie, Carrie Hammond, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm Poltergeist, and John Carpenter's
0: Halloween, which ushered in slasher films. Yeah. Not my favorite genre of horror, but I appreciate a lot of the 70s and 80s classics. Mm -hmm. I'll take it. In
2: the late Mm -hmm. 80s, audiences seemed to start wanting more safe material, um, particularly on television in the form of soaps and sitcoms and like Lifetime movies. Uh, the '90s were sort of an in-between phase for horror, but we did get such gems as Misery, Friday the Thirteenth. Yes.
0: Oh my God, Misery is so
2: brilliant. Mm-hmm. Misery Can- is awesome. Candyman, which is uh, horrifying. Child's mm. Play,
1: which
0: like love the Chucky franchise.
2: I don't understand so much. how a doll could like kill a person. Just
1: kick it, okay? Listen, um, the Shannon. Yeah, do not upset don't the Shannon like that. You fucking take that back.
0: The Shannon is still safely at Bill's house because I refuse to have it in my home.
1: If the Shannon comes <laughs>
0: after me,
2: I'll just sick Tressa on her because I too have okay. a haunted doll, and she's on my side. Mm. Yeah,
0: For think. now, I don't yeah. think she's going to appreciate how you're talking about dolls no, right she's now. She's right here.
2: Yeah, hey, I know. She's fine. Oh,
0: my word. Also,
2: Scream, An Interview with a Vampire. Hello, long-haired Brad Pitt.
0: I loved Interview with a Vampire. Very good. now. It's time for a rewatch. Should we have a night off? If we have a night off on (gasps) tour, can we have an interview with a vampire? Yes. I watched
2: it like two weeks ago, but I'm down. Great. Yes. Thank you. Love you both. Here's another um, quote from Wikipedia. Two main problems pushed horror backward during the 90s. Firstly, the horror genre wore itself out with the proliferation of non-stop slasher and gore yep. films in the 80s. Yeah,
0: duh. Super annoying oversaturation of a not very strong genre anyway, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: Secondly, the adolescent audience, which feasted on the blood and morbidity of the previous decade, grew up, and the replacement audience for films of an imaginative nature was being captured instead by the explosion of science fiction and fantasy films,
0: mm-hmm. courtesy of
2: the special effects possibilities with advances made in computer-generated imagery. Mm-hmm. examples but
0: now just like don't hold up at
3: all. No, but it was <laughs> well,
2: like fucking do. rad when it first came it was. out. It definitely was. Um, so examples of these CGI movies include uh, like Species, Anaconda. Oh, I loved Anaconda. Blade, Deep Rising, House on Haunted Hill, one of my fucking favorites.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Sleepy Hollow and The Haunting. So mm. I have seen one of those.
0: Mm. Um, also, Ghost Ship. Oh God, that movie is so bad. But the f- opening sequence is like one of the best opening sequences in all of horror history. Never seen it's it. So Probably good. won't. Because like, I already it's like know it's, it's horrible. The, it's from the nineties. It's like the, I don't even remember exactly what happens. It's like it's back in time, and there it's like this old timey, kind of like a Titanic. There's a ship with ghosts. Ship with people Mm -hmm. on it, like, well-dressed. They're at, like, a ball. And, -hmm. like, something goes wrong on this ship, and, like, a support wire snaps and, like, swings through this ballroom full of people and cuts all of them in half. Uh And they're, like, all still alive as they realize they're slowly separating, and then they all fall to the ground dead, and it's the coolest shit ever. It's so good. And then the rest of the movie is like terrible. It comes back to like present day where they're basically like a crew that has to go and recover this. Find uh, the heart of the ocean. Basically, the ship that's been abandoned just floating around for like millennia. And then obviously they encounter ghosts when they get on there. Like the rest of the movie is garbage. But the Mm. opening scene is so fucking good. YouTube it.
2: It's probably on YouTube. Or don't.
0: Or don't. Mm. (laughs) Do whatever you want. I just love it. (laughs)
2: Okay, so to finish out this quote, to reconnect its audience, with its audience, horror became more self-mockingly ironic and outright parodic, like parody, especially mm-hmm. in the latter half of the 90s. So Peter Jackson's Brain Dead, uh, which mm-hmm. is also known as Dead Alive in the United States, mm-hmm. but I guess it was called Brain Dead, took the splatter film to ridiculous ex- excess, excesses for comic effect. Wes Craven's Scream movies, which started in 1996, featured teenagers who were fully aware of and often made reference to the history of horror movies and mixed ironic humor with the shocks. Um, This says, Mm -hmm. despite Scream 2 and Scream 3, utilizing less of the humor of the original until Scream 4 in 2011, and rather more references to horror film conventions. Mm -hmm. The first Scream was so fucking good because it was like- it was funny, like
0: Yeah. And with all the yeah. parodies afterwards. Yeah. And it had like everyone we love. Like it had Courtney Cox, yeah, Drew Barrymore. Had, mm-hmm. Yep, Drew Barrymore. It had fucking David Arquette and What's Her Face from The Craft. And that mm-hmm. guy. That the guy hot, from that thing. What's his name Take my scars. What's that chick's name? Owen Wilson. No, <laughs> shoot. This is gonna kill me. Well, just her Google name it. is right on the tip of my tongue. I'm gonna. Go I'm googling it.
2: it. Um, so, along with "I Know What You Did Last Summer," another oh, classic, love that movie, and "Urban Legend," Did they love it? they reignited the dormant slasher film genre. Mm-hmm.
3: So mm-hmm.
2: these films were like able to look at themselves and just make fun of it, but like that didn't really diminish. Pete
0: Ulrich. I'm thinking of the female. Oh, lead <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> The girl from the craft who has the scars. Rose McGowan. No. no, the scars. It starts with an N. Her
2: eyes are always like
0: squinting. I keep wanting to call her Nadine, but it's definitely of <laughs> Nev Campbell. Yeah. Nev Campbell. Neve Nadine. Campbell. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: Matthew Lillard. Yeah. She looks like yeah. there's always a fan blowing in her
1: face. Mm-hmm. Leave Schreiber. I forgot. Oh
0: yeah, big yeah. time.
1: Yeah. yeah. All right. Sorry that I just screamed Skeet Ulrich in the middle of <laughs> you. That's fine. Uh, I'll get you back. <laughs> Skeet's skeet, my second skeet, child. Nose and Skeet. I can't <laughs> wait myself. for don't, don't name a child and skeet.
0: skeet. Yes, name your child Skeet. Yes, you're gonna.
2: He's gonna have his own special blanket <laughs> called a Skeet blanket.
0: No, oh. Oh, I'll knit it for him. I'll knit baby skeet a skeet blanket. Amanda's going to start an Etsy (laughs)
2: shop of just handmade skeet blankets.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Super Ah. absorbent. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Okay. I love it.
2: All right, I'm moving on. The 2000s started out strong with my personal favorite, American Psycho. So good. My favorite. Plus a whole hell of a lot of sequels, which fucking stop. I don't Mm -hmm. like sequels. We also saw a lot of non-English language films becoming popular in the States. Uh, so mm-hmm. like Guillermo del Toro and others, many mm-hmm. others. Get it. What Lies Beneath came out in 2000 yes. and holds a special place we in our hearts. We are obsessed.
1: Oh, I've seen that movie upwards of 25 times. Oh, yeah.
0: Easily. Yeah. Easily. Uh, so Bill good. and I just rewatched it like a month ago. Mm-hmm. Holds up a thousand percent. It's so good. All I want is to be Michelle Pfeiffer in that movie. Oh, absolutely. She's going to start suspecting
2: something. Oh, Mm -hmm.
0: it's so so good. good. So good. It's so good.
2: Okay, so also lots of remakes in the 2000s and 2010s, plus what they call found footage style movies. Yes, fucking Mm -hmm.
0: Blair Witch Project took over everything. Well, Mm -hmm. Blair
2: Witch Project, I think, came out in the 90s, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But that was like the no, first but, bad but that was footage. the first one.
0: Mhm. I think I it's think 99. It I think it yeah, was I 98. Think, well, okay, google it. There are ways to look this up, but I'm Skate 90% orange. sure it was in the 90s. <laughs> <Skate.
3: laughs>
2: so, today we have a plethora of remakes still, plus indie films and more stylized gems like Midsummer, as we've discussed extensively and the
0: Vivich Mm. Mm-hmm. Have you seen The Lighthouse? Mm-hmm. Same same person who did The Witch.
2: I haven't. No. I don't have a lot of patience for modern black and white films. I don't know why. It's
0: bonkers. I loved it. Willem Dafoe is so scary. He's it's just scary. a person. Just, yeah, yeah
2: standing on the street corner. There's an amazing scene There could be found where, footage
0: of him grocery shopping, and I'd be it, like, it, Ugh. That's basically what this movie is. He, he and uh, Robert Pattinson get into a fight over his cooking- and he brings down the most, like, epic sailor's curse on Robert Pattinson because Robert Pattinson made fun of his cooking. <laughs> oh, my God. It's completely off the rails. It's amazing.
2: I love it. So also changes in distribution, like Netflix, Hulu, streaming, whatever, have prompted an influx of horror-slash-art house overlap. Driven uh-huh. And these are driven by more, like, word of mouth and positive reviews and social media, over mm-hmm. more traditional conventional ways of spreading you know the news about a new movie like trailers
3: mhm
2: mhm so we are the times are changing but, uh, I really fucking love the era of horror movies that we're in right now because mm, it's so good. The witch was so good. The Black coat's daughter was so fucking good. Mm. Midsummer and hereditary, obviously. I love it. Mm-hmm, They're just so mm-hmm. unsettling, spooky, and they don't they don't even rely that much on special effects necessarily. Like all the supernatural is all really subtle kind of undertones.
1: Mm-hmm. I loved,, um, what's it called? Us?
0: Yes. Yeah, us was yeah. amazing. So good.
1: Loved
0: yeah, that. and Get Out. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just so epic. I just really like this era of of horror that we're in, where it's more like get in your head it's and very psychological. Pray. It's psychological and like pick at the things that human beings already experience that are terrible. Like that's what I love so much about Midsummer and. Um, Hereditary is it's like if you live long enough, you experience a tragic loss. And those movies are such a, a hardcore reflection on like grief and vulnerability and like finding your way through, whether that be like seeking community in, of some kind, mm-hmm. like just finding a way to survive, like the worst thing you could imagine happening to you. Like the scary part isn't that somebody died or that like your your husband cheated or whatever. It's like what you are susceptible to in that vulnerability right after that happens how easy it is to join a cult yes it's just like oh this is so real and i i sit there and i watch it and i'm like yeah i i could see myself if i were surrounded by a group of people who were not just like sympathizing with my grief but like feeling my pain and expressing it with me i could see myself like fully devoting myself to that community because they were going through that thing with me i just like Connect Keep to it us so updated hard.
1: on the chat on I how you're doing. It.
2: It's so good. <laughs> also Ugh. all of these movies they they're very layered, so you mm-hmm. can watch the same film three or four times and come away with like a different perception of it every time. They're mm-hmm. just smart.
0: It's fucking mm-hmm. awesome.
2: Anyway, so here's a fun list of subgenres for horror film. We got action horror, body horror. So like the prop comedy of horror, manipulation <laughs> of a bo- of a bot. Like the scary part is like how bodies are. If that makes sense. Okay, body horror, comedy horror, cyber horror, folk horror. So like, uh, things about sh- folk history, like the Wicker Man, maybe like old oh. like older rituals, sort of being brought into the modern sphere.
3: Okay, love it.
2: Found footage, which we touched on, gothic horror. Um, so that would be like Frankenstein
3: mm-hmm.
2: holiday horror, like the, yes. all the fucking Valentine's Day and Christmas Love. and L- St. Patrick's oh, Day, like Halloween, Halloween. but there's just like all these fucking horror movies about different holidays. It's absurd. But anyway, that's its own subgenre. Um, horror adventure. So like when people go to like an island and then it turns out there's a bunch of cannibals living on the island and they have to you know. Sweet. Exotic locale. Uh, horror drama, horror thriller, natural horror, psychological horror, science fiction horror, slasher horror, splatter horror, superhero, superhero horror, supernatural horror, teen horror, and zombie films. Mm. Nice.
1: I like about half of those, I would say. Mm
0: -hmm. So good. I
1: think body horror is really creepy. Mm -hmm.
2: I wonder if, like, human centipede movies, human centipede might be something like body horror. And also, like, I love that movie.
0: I think that is uh, like a body horror thing, like exploding heads and having to eat things that are disgusting, being sewn to someone's asshole.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: I'm here for it.
2: So to wrap this up, I got a little bit of psychology for us. There is an actual thing called neurocinematics, which is the subconscious effect of movies, like horror movies, on the brain. So studies have shown that audiences sit particularly still while watching horror movies. Mm. I don't. I'm <laughs> writhing around. mm um, and that they experience the excitation transfer process, or ETP, which causes a, physiologic, a physiological arousal. So your heart rate, your blood pressure, and your respiration all increase, and the effects on audience members who report that they enjoy watching these kinds of films, um, the, the, the effects on those people are similar to the joy of hanging out with good friends, but, like, even more intense. Mm-hmm. Like there's, it would a- be such
1: a good like marketing technique to have there be like a blood pressure threshold oh, yeah. to like enter a horror movie. Like, you're not allowed to enter if your blood pressure is already over a certain thing because, like, it's too dangerous.
0: Yeah, it's like how if you go to a haunted house where you have to sign a waiver, it psychs you up to already believe it's going to be the scariest experience ever. And then it's, like, not actually that scary. Yeah, I'm pretty Mm
2: -hmm. sure, I think, I don't know if it was, like, The Shining or some movie back in the 60s or 70s or some a while ago, they kind of tried that. Like part Mm -hmm. of their marketing technique was like don't don't come see this movie if you have if you have a heart condition or yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so
1: it's been done but yeah and I don't mean I'm not I don't want to like promote discrimination I just meant as like a shitty marketing technique Uh
0: oh yeah it's definitely been done Mm -hmm. like a a Mm -hmm. certain versions of that yeah So shout.
2: Um so only about 10% of Americans enjoy the psychological rush that felt immediately after watching a horror movie and those who do not enjoy whoa. it those who do not enjoy it can feel emotions linked to those of PTSD. So it's not like there's 10% and then there's a 90%. There's obviously a sliding scale. It's a it's a spectrum. Mm-hmm. But 10% of Americans like feel this intense rush of of joy after having watched a horror movie. Weird. Cool. So jump scares, use of negative space, music, use of mirrors, and tight framing are just a few examples of ways directors build tension and therefore anxiety to heighten the fear and excitement in the audience. Physically, long durations of low-frequency sound can affect a person's sleep and, like, therefore, their mental well-being, like, just their, like, mental, like, cognitive stability. Mm. Um, The body can tense up as a reaction to stress perceived because of cognitive dissonance when viewing a horror film. And sleeplessness is the primary physical effect of this type of fear, but of course it depends on a person's personal experience and how they may be reminded of traumas in their own life, in which case, hashtag treat your brain and do not watch scary movies if they are triggering to you and detrimental to your own mental health because... I mean, mm-hmm. be, being faced with images of violence and things like not that. Not for everybody. It's not for everybody. So don't feel like you're really missing out on much if, if, if you can't watch horror movies. If it, mm-hmm. dis, if it disturbs you, don't do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just skip it. It's totally fine. You don't have to prove anything to anyone.
2: Yep. Yeah. So that's my segment. And so nice.
0: take good. care of
1: yourself. <laughs> oh. Well done.
0: I love it. I want popcorn for this episode, right?
1: (laughs) Oh, I have Raisinets actually at home. Um, Should we hear a quick word from our sponsors? Sure. Yes, please.
0: Care of is a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your best today and supports you long term. So set resolutions that you'll actually keep, that mm-hmm. you'll be able to keep. Make 2020 the year to prioritize you and commit to staying on top of your health. Mm-hmm. And instead of that laundry list of resolutions that you don't end up sticking with, Care Of can make taking your vitamins and supporting your health goals attainable.
1: hmm Sure can. So basically, you take a short online quiz and answer some questions about your diet, your health goals, and your lifestyle. You know we love a good quiz. And Care Of will recommend a list of vitamins and supplements specifically for your health needs and goals. And you guys know that I was already really into my vitamins and my supplements. but Oh, Ca- yeah. It's a yeah. fetish. Yeah. <laughs> but Care Of made it so easy to know what I should be taking, what was maybe superfluous, like what I didn't actually need to be spending money on and was already getting enough of from something else and I just I just really love the, the new vitamin plan that I'm on and my mm-hmm. husband loves Care Of's yummy protein powders that are made of real ingredients that you can actually recognize so not like Methylated
0: ugh. right,
1: um, it's mystery in, powder, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead, it is stuff like organic cocoa, pink Himalayan sea salt. I mean, Love talk it. about delicious, mm-hmm. yeah. It's real stuff. So, for 50%
2: off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter code GALS50. That's G A L S 50. One more time. That is for 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter code GALS50. And treat you bod.
1: Treat, treat it. Treat it. You guys know that until Third Love came into my life, I was not a big bra fan. Mm -hmm. Um, Not a fan. Not a fan. But that has seriously changed because Third Love makes bras that they believe in and that you can believe in. Every bra is backed by their perfect fit promise. So 60 days, you try it out, you wash it, you wear it. If you don't love it, returns are always free. Amazing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if the two of you remember, but a couple of months ago, I polled you to see if there was such a thing as a comfortable strapless bra. Mm -hmm. And I think the consensus was no. So I was like, you Mm -hmm. know what? I know where to find a comfortable bra. Went to Third Love, got a strapless bra. I I can't even, it was, it was unbelievable. I just ordered a second strapless
1: bra from Third Love because I love my first one so much. I ordered it in a different color. Yeah,
2: and as you all also know, I have two drastically differently sized breasts, Mm -hmm. and even the strapless bra, I don't get that weird, like, cupping line at the top. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It Mm -hmm. was... Incredible. The other reason why I absolutely love Third Love is that they give back. Third Love donates all of their gently used returned bras to women in need or people with breasts in need, supporting charities in their local San Francisco Bay Area and across the United States. And so far, Third Love has donated over $15 million in bras. That's a lot of really comfy bras that are just cupping.
3: Yeah, bras
0: are not cheap. No, they are. They're cupping boobs all over the nation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. And Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com/gals now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. One more time, that's thirdlove.com/gals for 15% off today. Treat your top. Treat, Treat it.
1: All right. So, uh full disclosure, I have not seen the movie that this case inspires. So, I also don't intend to see it. Didn't know there were two. Um, Yeah, one's with Ryan I mean,
0: Gosling. You should at yeah, least no, see that not one. Ryan Gosling. It's uh, Ryan Reynolds. Skeet Ulrich? Oh,
1: Ryan Reynolds. Yes, it's skeet, skeet Ulrich. Skeet. <laughs> it's Skeet. I just, not, I've seen a couple horror movies. I'm just, it's just really not my thing. But- It's an interesting case, so we're going to get into it. So, Ronald DeFeo Jr., who usually went by either Ronnie or Butch. Okay. My third son's name. (sighs) Nosferatu, Skeet, and Butch. No, (laughs) but also yes. Was the oldest of five children of Louise and Ronald DeFeo. The family lived in what would eventually become perhaps the most notorious house in America, Mm -hmm. a stately Dutch colonial at 112 Ocean Avenue. There's a place
0: on Ocean Ocean Avenue. Avenue. Where a guy killed his kids, too.
1: Is that what that song is about? (laughs) No. No. Not even close. (laughs) We were both
0: 18 and it felt so right. Sleeping all day, staying up 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 all 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 night. night. Because you're haunted. Doy.
1: Yeah. I'd be staying up (laughs) all night, too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. In Amityville, New York, which they purchased in 1965. By most accounts, Ronnie's upbringing in the Amityville house was an unhappy one. Ronald Sr. was domineering and aggressive, and many have guessed that he was physically abusive to his children, which Mm -hmm. would not be a stretch of the imagination. No. Um, So there's not like proof, but it's pretty likely. Um, Louise, his wife, was terrified of her husband. So that's great. Um, That's always a good sign. Mm Mm-hmm. In a a strong marriage. In a marriage. And she was able to do little to intercede on behalf of her children against Ronald Sr. when he got worked up. By age 18, Ronnie was consistently turning to drugs and alcohol to cope with the stress of his home life. He was a regular user of LSD Mm. and would frequently drink as much as a bottle of scotch per day. Wow. Wow.
2: That's a lot of scotch.
0: What? With a LSD.
2: That's uh, wild. Like, How do you uh, function? I, scotch I can't even hand and LSD? A bottle yeah. of scotch and
1: LSD? hmm
0: Sometimes it sounds like it, yeah. Oh mm-hmm. my god. That's a well, lot. It was the 60s. Yeah.
1: His father gave him a job at the family's auto dealership, but Ronnie rarely bothered to show up. Can you imagine if your car dealer was half a bottle of scotch in and a high on LSD? I mean, the last time I mixed alcohol (laughs) and hallucinogens,
0: I vomited all over my Celine Dion t-shirt. Yeah, I can have like two glasses of wine
1: and one spliff and be puking everywhere. It's not
0: worth it. (laughs) I don't even know. Ruined a perfectly okay. good Celine Dion t-shirt.
2: I don't think I've ever mixed the two, and I don't want
0: to. You're
1: smart. Mm. Really? Not psychedelics. Oh, 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 I've never done hallucinogens. Okay. His father—oh, I already read that. Okay. I've never <laughs> done hallucinogens. His father gave <laughs> Except him— Except for his, right father now. <laughs> him, his father gave him—his okay. father okay. gave him—his okay. father, okay. father, okay. his father His his father—his <laughs> father—his Oh, Hispa,
0: okay. Hispa, 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 Hispa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when is it done? <laughs> it's a new horror movie called
1: <laughs> Indie Podcast called The Never Ending <laughs> <laughs> Episode.
0: <laughs> oh God, that All is right. my nightmare.
1: He continued to live at home and became more and more physically violent in response to his father's angry outbursts. On at least one occasion, Ronnie brought a gun into the house and threatened his father with it. So he was done. Yeah. This volatile situation continued for a few years until it finally exploded into the tragedy that would lead to the Amityville house's reputation as the most haunted house in America. Mm. And yet still out of the reach for most millennial home buyers.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's a big Which, house. To be fair, here.
0: yes, it's a big house, but I also think that they are overpricing it because of its fame, too.
2: Matters. How do you Maybe.
0: know how much it
2: costs? You can oh, look we'll it up. Get it's to been
0: it. it's been on the market over and over again throughout the course of history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: In November of 1974, Ronnie was 23 years old. His sister Don was 18. The next youngest sister Allison was 15, and the youngest brothers Mark and John Matthew
0: Ooh. were 12 and nine. John David, John Matthew, and John Mark. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. They were John, like John oh. Luke
0: and John John. <laughs> we're probably not
1: going to have another boy, so we've got to cram two names into this one. Mhm. On the day in question, Ronnie went to work at his job at the auto dealership but left around noon, which was again not unusual for him to play hooky like that and just bounce. Mhm. He went to a local bar where he met up with some friends and after a few drinks began calling his family's house from the bar phone, but no one was answering.
0: Just don't let anyone use the bar phone. Mm. Okay? Irresponsible Mm. bartending, in my opinion.
1: Mm -hmm. It was the 70s, so that was the only phone. But yeah. (laughs) Um, It's unclear who was at home that he was trying to speak to and why, and like why it was so urgent, but he didn't get through to anyone and he left the bar really frustrated. The next time that anyone outside of the DeFeo family saw Ronnie was when he entered the same bar at 6.30 the next afternoon after completing a full day of work this time. So, like, the following day he went to work, stayed through the whole day, and then Mm. went back to the bar, frantically asking patrons for help, yelling, quote, I think my mother and father are shot. Hmm. Which is really weird syntax. Yes, that is weird. Yeah,
0: that is odd. Yeah, I think my mother and father are shot. Very strange phrasing. Not a fan. Creeping me out. Okay, great. Here we go. Yeah, your grammar is really creeping me out, my friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. The bar patrons who followed him back to the house became the first witnesses to the horrifying scene that awaited within. Ronald Sr. and Louise, along with all four of the younger children, were dead. All six of the bodies were discovered in the same position. Like... face down on their beds with gunshot wounds from a high-powered rifle that was also found in the house. No me gusta. Both of the parents had been shot twice, while the children had only been shot, had only had a single gunshot wound each. Hmm. A high-powered rifle's gonna do some fucking damage. Big time. Mm-hmm. Medical examiners estimated that the family had been killed sometime around 3 a.m. that day the positioning of the bodies would puzzle investigators as well as true crime and haunted house enthusiasts for years to come. There was no sign of a struggle on the part of any of the family members, and yet there was no evidence that any of them had been restrained or drugged before Ooh, they were shot either.
0: That's real creepy.
1: So like, how,
0: how just do you- took it.
1: They just lied there face down in their beds and got shot one
0: after the other? Like They how? were haunted. Mm. Or at least hypnotized, bare minimum.
1: <laughs> it was aliens.
0: It, it was invest- aliens.
1: <laughs> Investigators reported finding no evidence of a silencer being used on the gun.
0: So mm-hmm. the sound
1: of the first gunshots should theoretically have awakened the other sleeping family members. Right,
0: and sent everybody like scattering
1: in fear. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. The fact or at least at least sitting up in bed. You know like right. something yeah. like they, they were, were all
2: sleeping. Mm-hmm.
1: What is the chance that six people in a family all sleep face down? Yeah, in the exact
0: same position. Yeah. That mm-mm. doesn't happen. I
1: the fact that all six victims had been killed in their beds with no apparent struggle initially led investigators to conclude that it was physically impossible for one person to have committed all the murders alone without at least one family member escaping, but no evidence was ever found of a second perpetrator.
3: Hmm.
1: Even strangers still no neighbors reported hearing any gunshots. Again, they what? no evidence of a silencer. But several of them did report being kept awake that night by the DeFeo's dog barking for hours.
0: Yep, I remember that detail from the movie.
1: Based on the decibel level of the rifle found at the scene, the shots should have been heard from a mile away.
0: Yeah, and 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 if they could confirm that they heard a dog, they should have been able to hear a gunshot.
1: Yeah, they had numerous neighbors within clear hearing range, none of whom heard a gunshot. And again, no evidence of a silencer. Wow. Like who would throw away the who would find a way to discard the silencer, but then bring the gun back to the house and leave the the murder weapon at the house? Don't make no sense. Can you even have a silencer on a sh- on a rifle? I have no earthly idea.
0: You must be able to if they keep bringing that up in the investigation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like it must. That's there are so many accessories for guns even back in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Like something like that must have existed. There also must be forensic evidence that proves that they were shot while in those positions and not placed that way after being shot. Mm -hmm. Because that I could understand then.
1: Yeah, the placement after death would be pretty understandable. And that would be really obvious. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, where's
2: all the blood and exactly. fucking brain matter elsewhere in the
0: house? Right. So, that right. must all also be pointing to the fact that they were in these positions when they were killed. If this yes. investigation was done at like the bare minimum of standards. Right.
1: Yeah. Ronnie was brought in for questioning and made numerous frantic attempts to alibi himself and provide explanations for his family's deaths. Um, first he claimed that he'd been at work when his family was shot, but then this alibi mm-hmm. quickly fell apart when the deaths were confirmed to have occurred in like the middle of the night, like around yeah. 3 a.m. Oh, is that um, why he stayed at work all day? The following day? Probably. Yeah, Maybe. Among several increasingly absurd stories, he at one point told investigators that a notorious mob hitman named mm. Louis Fellini had killed his family okay. and made and made him watch the massacre. But Fellini had a solid alibi, and Ronnie was forced to admit that he'd made up this story as well. Mm, yeah, I don't even know how he like came
0: up with the Fellini bit. I mean, there's a lot to be said for just, like, playing into racism in the 70s. Yeah,
1: that's probably true, yeah. But just,
0: like, like knowing
2: who the the fuck that guy was in the first place. Right. Yeah,
1: I didn't dig into who that guy was and why Ronnie might have even been able to pull that name out of his ass, so Mm -hmm. I don't know. Eventually, he admitted to what police had assumed to be the truth all along. He had murdered his entire family. In his confession, he said that, quote, once I started, I just couldn't stop. It went so
0: fast. Wow. That's that's so fucking gross. Where I can of Pringles. Mm. Oh, my God. yeah! (laughs) Once I popped, I couldn't stop. Mm -hmm. It It went went so so fast. fast. (laughs) It it (laughs) went
1: so fast. It went so fast. Um, During his murder trial, Ronnie DeFeo's defense attorney entered an insanity plea claiming that Ronnie had been hearing voices that commanded him to kill his family. But the insanity defense was unsuccessful and he was ultimately convicted on six counts of second degree murder and given six concurrent sentences of 25 years to life. And here is where things go even more wonky. Even After he began serving his sentences and, like, he was never getting out, Ronnie continued to provide alternative explanations for what had occurred in the Ocean Avenue house that night. In one of these new versions of events, he claimed that his sister Dawn had killed their father, which caused his mother to snap and kill all the other siblings before Ronald killed his own mother.
0: Interesting little complicated I also feel like again in the Malay of that scenario it's even less likely they'd all be in the same position
2: mm-hmm no one is believing that
0: story no yeah
1: yeah, yeah. that's it's just not even okay a few years later he claimed that in fact Don had killed the entire family before he killed Don again
3: mm-hmm
1: why why make this so complicated? Ronnie's shifting explanations for the events would eventually add fuel to speculation that the house was cursed. But it was not the DeFeo family murders that would first spark these rumors. It was the accounts of the house's next occupants, George and Kathy Lutz. Mm. The Lutzes moved into the Ocean Avenue house in 1975. So really soon after the murders. For the bargain price of $80,000. Oh, take me back. Right? And moved into it with their three children, but they stayed for only 28 days.
0: Mm-hmm. Isn't that a movie? 28, 28 Days. Days later. Yeah. And 28 Days is the one with... <laughs> This is the one with uh, Sandra Bullock, you know what's her face, yeah, in the rehab facility. And I definitely have heard of people who watched Twenty Eight Days Later, the really horrifying zombie horror movie, thinking they were watching or getting ready to watch the Sandra Bullock Twenty (laughs) Eight Days, like rom drama.
2: Twenty-eight days in drama. Twenty-eight days later is really actually a really scary movie. It's so
0: good. It's, good. it's one of my favorite zombies. That has Zomb-coms. nothing to do
1: with this either.
0: No, it's a zombie movie based in the Zomb-com. UK in London. It's about, it's, it's about coronavirus, basically, okay. but really more about rabies. But yes.
1: Soon after, the Lutzes contacted a publishing house and offered, so soon after they moved out, uh, and offered to sell the rights to their story of living in the house where the DeFeo murders had been committed. The publishers put them in touch with a writer named Jay Anson. In 1977, Anson published a book titled The Amityville Horror that purported to tell the true story of the Lutz family's experience living in the house, including strange odors. That was me. In... (laughs) <laughs> inexplicable <laughs> cold spots mm. green slime oozing out of keyholes okay little much cool and a story of a priest being slapped by a phantom hand when he tried to bless the house and then he was told to get out that was also me
0: <laughs> <laughs> i account for 50 percent of these issues
1: Also, none of these issues have anything to do with uh, a familicide, basically, like a family being taken out. Well, could be a demon. I guess. I don't know. The book uh, was an immediate bestseller and was turned into the 1979 movie by the same name, and that was the second highest grossing film of the year in 1979. And I didn't look up what the first one was. The Lutz's story was controversial from day one, and although they insisted the experiences detailed in the book really happened, many people believed them to be con artists who had taken advantage of the DeFeo tragedy to gain fame and money. So a lot of people said that they bought the house in the first place with the intention to Mm -hmm. move out and write this book and story about it. And like glom on to this tragedy and and mm-hmm. turn it into profit, basically exploit it. Yeah. William Weber, Ronnie DeFeo's defense attorney from his murder trial, claimed that the Lutzes had originally approached him before going to the writer Anson for help concocting the story of the haunted house. Mm. So that would be.
0: Yeah, that's not sketchy. looking good.
1: Mm -hmm. Weber said in one interview quote we created this horror story over many bottles of wine it is a hoax yep he eventually sued the Lutzes for using information that he provided them about the murders and then taking it to the writer and he demanded six oh a 60 million dollar share of the book get it and movie profits get it and how'd that go he ultimately received seventeen
0: thousand dollars. Wow! I mean, aim big, mm-hmm. fall tragically. Fall Ask hard. for a pony, <laughs> get a hermit crab. Wow! Yeah, mm-hmm. that's rough. That's worse than a hermit crab. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: I mean, seventeen get grand, an empty
0: hermit crabs, old shell that they've discarded. Yeah, that's more of an apt comparison. Yeah.
2: It's nothing to shake a stick at, but. It's no no 60 mil.
0: That's what I'm saying. I'm saying when you're going for 60 million.
1: Yeah. If somebody wanted to give me 17 grand, I'd be thrilled. I'm never going to say no. He sounds like Uh, he's he's a horrible lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Why'd he give him this information if he didn't have a contract in place? Moron. Ugh. All right, uh, both the DeFeo murders and the Lutz's story continue to inspire speculation about the true nature of the house and the crimes. Theories range from Ronnie DeFeo having an accomplice that may or may not be his sister Dawn, but Dawn died in the
0: same manner as the others. But Dawn so. is too dead to provide any shed any light on that situation. Yeah,
1: yeah. To the murders being the result of Ronnie being possessed by a demonic or paranormal entity that still resides in the house. Mm. That's what I'm going with. I mean, I it think, makes I the think most he sense. Just snapped and killed his family and uh, somehow poisoned them and got them all to sleep without it being picked up by, you know... Crack investigation teams in the 70s.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that the combination of not having the resources and technology we have today to truly break down the forensics of this situation. Yeah. Plus the kind of like media buzz around the trial. Yeah. And then the snowball effect of all of the false drama created around the house. It probably is a lot more cut and dry than we know, but we can't go back with the technology we have now to the original mm-hmm. crime scene and really figure it out.
1: Right? Exactly. I'm That's what choosing I mean. it just, to go it with just Demon. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm with you. It's
1: the most straightforward explanation. It I'll is. give you that. Mm-hmm. Amityville Horror has become a movie franchise. Oh, here we go with numerous sequels, remakes, and spinoffs. I completely forgot about that. George and Kathy Lutz have passed away, but their children continue to insist on the truth of their paranormal experiences in the house. Their son Daniel released a documentary in 2013 called My Amityville Horror. Okay, Daniel. My turn to exploit this fucking Mm -hmm. tragedy. In which he recalls his childhood memories of the haunting, which lasted for a grand total of 28 days. Like, fucking get over it. Yeah. Get over The ocean. It. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's. I just think it, that is really dumb. Ah. The Ocean Avenue house has been lived in by at least four families since the Lutzes, one of which requested that the house's address be changed because they probably had a lot of looky loos. Mm-hmm. So, 112 Ocean Avenue technically no longer exists, and the house now sits at 108 Ocean
0: Avenue. <laughs> We changed the address just to tell everyone the address so they (laughs) can go back and look at it. It's a really distinctive looking house. Like
2: you're going to know what fucking house it is. It has Mm. a face.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It most recently sold in 2016 for $850,000. Nailing it. Mm -hmm. For his part, Ronald DeFeo Jr. is still alive and still in prison. All of his appeals and parole requests to date have been denied. Wow. I am looking up this house on Zillow right now. Yeah. If it's Run not for away. sale, it might not be listed. They'll show the most recent listing. Oh, yeah. okay.
0: Cool. Nice job. Mm-hmm. Should we Thanks. buy this house and make it the Wine and Crime headquarters? I mean, it's pretty close to a stop and shop, so yeah. I'm here Why for not? it. That is convenient. Convenience is key. Mm-hmm. Mhm, 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 mhm. Nicely done. Good job. Thank you. All right, shall we take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors? Yeah. Let's do it.
1: Happy
2: Women's Month. BNDs Woo-hoo-boo! Woo-hoo-hoo! wants to take a moment and shout out all the women that inspire them every day and yes, that means you, dear listener. This Women's Month, which should probably be every month, honestly, mm-hmm. it is their mission to motivate all the women around them to embrace and to show up as their full, unfiltered self. Undies believes self-expression is so powerful, and they want to encourage all the women to live that every day. In your heart, on your undies. Me Undies <laughs> thinks you are heroic just as you are. I like that. Mm.
0: I agree. I am... Fully on board to an obsessive capacity mm-hmm. with me undies. I have a subscription, so I get like subscriber pricing. Which I love, and then I have undies arrive for me and my partner monthly. They just arrive, and we get matching undies, and then now all of our underwear matches, and it makes me so happy. Uh, and I just love everything about me undies, and me undies are made for your self expression and designed for comfort, so you can just focus on being the boss you are in your mm-hmm. matching undies with all your friends and loved ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These undies are size tested on all kinds of bodies and offered a range of sizes from extra small to 4XL. They're also the softest things to ever grace Mm -hmm. your booty back. It is seriously unreal how soft this underwear is. That's because they're uh, Mm -hmm. whipped butter. They're so good. Mm -hmm. That's because they're made with micro modal, a magical, sustainable, soft as heck fabric made from trees. Yes, trees. That makes your bits feel like they're floating on a cloud. It's super soft. Uh, so mm-hmm.
1: Me Undies has a great offer for our listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off and free shipping. This is a no-brainer, especially because they have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So to get your 15% off your first order, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash gals g-a-l-s that's meundies.com slash gals treat yo booty Trade it get mouth-watering seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door with hellofresh america's number one meal kit hellofresh makes cooking at home fun easy and affordable And also Mm -hmm. HelloFresh can help you eat more sustainably. So I know some folks are like concerned about uh, the carbon footprint of their Mm -hmm. lifestyles Mm -hmm. these days. But I was really surprised to find out that according to the University of Michigan, HelloFresh's carbon footprint is 25% lower than store-bought grocery-made meals. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. Love that. That is largely due to HelloFresh's pre-portioned ingredients that mean there's less prep for you and less food waste, which I love because Mm -hmm. I do not like to prep. Mm -hmm. Or waste food, right? Yeah, or waste food. And I love how much time that HelloFresh saves you. They cut out the stressful meal planning and a lot of their recipes are ready, like from prep to table. In about 30 minutes. And then there are 20-minute quick recipe options, which Mm. are, like, my favorite to peruse on their website. And I recently made, because it's still cold and wintry here in Minnesota, the creamiest mushroom ravioli.
1: Uh, Stop.
0: Yeah. With Parmesan cheese, heirloom grape tomatoes... Uh, like mushrooms it is the most savory mm. delicious bright beautiful on the plate ravioli it is so good i love mm. it and you can uh you can add a creamy parmesan sauce yes you're it, speaking I, my language I, i'm literally <laughs> drooling it is so so good oh
2: and that is one of many of their amazing recipes i am in love with hellofresh so go to hellofresh.com slash gals 10 that's gals S one zero, and use code gals 10 for 10 free meals including free shipping one more time go to hellofresh.com forward slash gals 10 and use code gals 10 for 10 free meals including free shipping treat yo dinner treat mm. it,
0: treat it. So because everyone is different, Noom adjusts to your lifestyle. They teach you the psychology behind the decisions you make and then help you keep track of everything from workouts and steps to analyzing your diet and recommending healthy recipes. Noom also connects you with a personally assigned goal specialist and a community of other Noomers. So you have all the support you need to empower your change. This has been an amazing resource. I don't like to work out, but I obviously want to remain healthy and I'm a type 1 diabetic. So one of the goals I set with Noom um, last year and am still carrying out into this year was to lower my hemoglobin A1c. Mm. And it has been so awesome to have this community of support that like helps me pick low carb meals and helps me stay on a plan that isn't just completely centered around exercise that will like allow me to meet my goals. It's been super, super cool.
2: Mm. Oh, Yeah. And I personally fell off the Noom train for a few weeks and I'm just like, wow, I can see and feel a huge difference. It's not just mm-hmm. about what you see on the scale. It's how you feel. And like if you notice that your accountability is sort of lacking, that's my major problem is accountability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I Let me tell you, just tracking your meals alone Mm-hmm. is such a huge thing. It's so easy to do on the app. Plus you have that goal specialist that you can chat with and the Noom community, like Amanda said, to get and give help people going through all the same things. It's not just about working out, but it is not not about working out. But Noom, yep. it it just gives you these psychological tricks so that you can so you don't feel like there's just somebody telling you like, Go spend 30 minutes on the treadmill. Go eat an apple for lunch. Like, that's not mm-hmm. how it works. Mm-hmm. Noom is not right. a diet. It is a healthy and easy to stick to way of life. And this app, just in your pocket, it really, really helps you with that accountability that a lot of people, including myself, really struggle with.
3: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. And you don't have to change it all in one day Because small steps make big progress Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com forward slash gals That is N-O-O-M dot com forward slash G-A-L-S Again, what do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com forward slash gals To start your trial today That's N-O-O-M dot com slash gals Treat yo
0: Goals Treat them. Treat them. So I wanted to go in a slightly less predictable, like traditional horror film direction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So no matter how twisted, depraved, sick, and disgusting a horror film author tries to be, they will never be half as nasty as real people, as we have discovered just in the years of doing this podcast. People are disgusting. disgusting. People are Mm -hmm. awful. Uh, Wes Craven famously used real-life horror stories to add reality to his scripts. So, like, even from the movie Scream, the script was based on the killing spree of the Gainesville Ripper, who, like, mm-hmm. went after co-eds. And we we covered Danny Rolling in Overkill Crimes, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, like, yep. a lot of pieces of that slasher horror by Wes Craven were taken from that case. Mm-hmm. So another instance where Wes Craven used real-world inspiration came when he was struggling to get a second film made after his career tanked pretty fucking hard after his film Last House on the Left. Do you remember seeing that? Nope, never did. It was really bad. And I think Mm -hmm. it's had one or two remakes, but it's not good. So Craven was trying to break into more mainstream movies but was struggling to get any funding because people were like, fuck your last project, it tanked. Mm-hmm. Um, And he met a man named Peter Locke, who told him to knock it off with like all the dramatic scripts. Because a lot of the biggest problem with Wes Craven is that his the writing is so fucking bad. Um, what else has he
1: done? I obviously know the name Wes. Craven, he did the but I don't he did the anything.
0: Scream franchise. That's like his most famous work. Mm-hmm. And then the the movie we're about to get to. But he's done a lot of of dumb like monster yeah, and horror movie dumb shit. Horror. Okay, he's he was like us. He's like a slightly older version of uh, Eli like Eli Roth, who oh. also produced a ton of really bad horror films just to have his name stuck on them. Like Wes Craven is also kind of like campy and just bad at writing. Got I it. do
2: love the Eli Roth movie Cabin Fever, though.
0: Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, so Cabin Fever is good. Incredible. Anyway, um, so he meets a man named Peter Locke who told him to knock it off with all the dramatic scripts and write something scary that he'd finance, uh, and he'd finance this movie if he did this. So not to turn $300-plus thousand dollars in financing down, Wes went to the New York Public Library to look for inspiration. There he found old chapbooks discussing crimes, murders, and other strange happenings in jolly old England, Scotland, and Ireland – Mm. I- I- Ireland, <laughs> good accent, and when Trans- he found Translate to Ireland, <laughs> yep. And when he found the story of Sonny Bean, yes. How could he look any further? Oh Lord, yep. It's honestly one of the most ghoulish things like I've ever even heard of, and did mm-hmm. not make the connection that this movie that we will get to was based on this murder spree. Mm -hmm. So Now, quick caveat. This is a story from the 16th century. And as we all know, news is not always perfectly trustworthy. Not to mention this story was legendary and ghastly even in its day. So it was like rife for exaggeration. So everything literally
1: happened exactly exactly as we're about to say. uh,
0: Record keeping was not flawless back in that time. Mm Mm-hmm. I am
2: taking this down as fact, word for fucking
0: word. Mm -hmm. This is the gospel of Sony Bean. Never mind. Scratch that. This is exactly how it happened. Um, But but all that said, even if this story is grossly overblown, like numbers inflated, yada, 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 this would still be basically one of the most fucked up things that ever happened. So, like, even at its core, Mm -hmm. its most pared down version, it's still some crazy shit. So... Wes Craven immediately based his script on the premise, and he had his first truly big hit, "The Hills Have Eyes." Yeah, yes! we loved this movie. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. this movie is really problematic creepy. shit and some gratuitous shit, but holy buckets, is this movie good?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So, Sonny Bean, born Alexander Bean. Um, which I wonder, like, is Sonny an old Scottish nickname for Alexander? It, it
1: sounds, oh. Or like yeah. Sonny. Let's just go or like Redhead. Mr. Bean.
0: <laughs> Mr. Bean. Can you even imagine?
2: <laughs> I'm picturing this person as Mr. As Bean. As Mr. Remake. Bean. Remake.
0: Yep. <laughs> oh my God. They should redo The Hills Have Eyes with Ooh. the lead role played by Mr. Bean.
1: <laughs> yes. I'd I'm watch it. I'm funding this.
0: I'm tanking. The Wine and Crime bank account <laughs> to fund this movie. Great. i put putting all of our eggs in, in this it. basket. I'm in it. Okay. All of our beans in one be basket. still be ch- <laughs> the cheapest film ever made. Yep. Here's, <laughs> here's that $17,000 we won in that lawsuit. <laughs> Make it happen. Hire Mr. Bean. Um, so he was born in 16th century East Lothian, which contains mm-hmm. both the town of Humble. Heaston, and the Pogby Farm. Ooh. Sonny was born to a ditch digger and a hedge trimmer, uh, which is basically the name of the salon I go to to have my nethers waxed. I was
2: going to say, I need to trim my (laughs) edges. (laughs)
0: sonny tried out the whole ditch digging and hedge trimming thing and found that it sucked all kinds of ass (laughs) being being lazy by nature sonny realized there was no way he could live a normal life so shortly after giving up on ditch digging he met and started keeping the company of a woman known as black agnes douglas known (laughs) as a vicious woman in her community Mm. black agnes was accused of witchcraft fucking obviously Mm -hmm. So, Sonny and Agnes left home, deciding to live a very different kind of life, the life of brigandry.
3: Oh, brigands.
0: So, I will tell you, brigandry is largely a waiting game. Sonny and Agnes waited alongside one of the roads in the Scottish countryside until suitable victims would pass and set on them with knives, robbing them of valuables and running off. It's literally robbery. Highway hmm. robbery. Mm-hmm. Of its most original form, until during one of these attacks, Sonny and Agnes actually murdered the victim. Now, out in the cold moors, waiting for lone victims to come, can take a long time. And apparently, Sonny and Agnes were mighty hungry after their first murder, uh, because okay. they reportedly dismembered the man they'd killed, roasted him on a campfire, and ate their fill of him. Well, I mean, Why I let it go I to love waste? Cannibalism. I know. Not judging. It's, it's such. We all know
1: where we stand.
0: I love it. <laughs> I am all about cannibalism. It's like one of my favorite details of a case. Mm-hmm. Now, with a taste for murder and human flesh, a great combo, Sonny and Black Agnes looked for a hideout and found the most epic cannibal murder hideout possible. In Benane Head, between Gervin and Gallantry, they mm-hmm. discovered a cliffside cave. With the entrance, mm. where the entrance was only visible at low tide. Yes, here we go. So like twice a day.
1: It sounds like that movie, like the... Uh, the Hills <sighs> have, have Eyes. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, with the cartoons and the mice.
0: The Rescuers? Yeah. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. Okay. Like it's a not waterlogged that. cave. It's yeah, that's, not that. The Rescuers was based on this case, Kenyon. Really? Keep up. <laughs> 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 this is rescuers' crimes. God. Yeah, Doy. Uh Okay. Entering the cave, Sonny and Agnes found within another cave and a high ledge that stayed dry even during the high tide. And there they made their lair. Mm. Even if someone was looking for the roadside murderers, they would have to approach at the right time of day to even see the entrance to their their little house now Mm -hmm. and was a very difficult hideout to infiltrate what with it intermittently filling with water so like they (laughs) really hard to keep clean they had it made in the cave Mm -hmm. made in the shade of the cave cave. sonny and agnes now with professions and a home cannibal murder and a sea cave respectively started Mm -hmm. a family <laughs> oh God! Eight sons and six daughters. Later, no. Oh my God! All in, in the, the cave? cave. In the Jeez. cave, and
2: they're
1: Black Agnes. You can do better. They're subsisting
0: yep. off of human meat this whole time. Human meat, and probably a lot of scavenging Foraging. and hunting in nature as well. Fish. Yeah. I can't imagine it's only human meat. It's sub. Their 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 diet of living off the land is subsidized by human meat. I would imagine. Cool. Oh, my God. So cool. So eight sons and six daughters later, Sonny passed on the family trade. He trained his children to see outsiders as non-human and took them raiding with him. They would set upon travelers, now able to take down lone travelers and couples due to their large numbers, Mm -hmm. um, and kill them. They would then truss up the victims and return with the bodies to the seaside cave where the women would butcher, cook, and serve the victims. Then, so gendered. Yep, I know. Hunter gatherers, classic, and the women who have to keep the home, the cave. Then, possibly <laughs> most grizzly of all, would pickle the remains for later <gasps> consumption. Smart. That's they, just that's yeah. just being a good cave maker. They don't have a frigidaire in that cave. That's obvious to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. I yeah. hate I hate it, and I love it. Sonny and the family, now the Bean Clan had several fairly ingenious hunting techniques to avoid detection. First, since they took the bodies with them and ate the remains, the site of the murders was never discovered. Secondly, they hunted along one of the major roads travelers used in Scotland, but not the one closest to their hideout. They would cross the nearest road and hunt farther from home to avoid detection. Super smart. Mm. Additionally, the beans would leave chewed body parts randomly around the countryside and throw some into the water near the cave so that body parts would wash up on shore, making people think accidents or animal attacks might be responsible. Mm. So they were covering their tracks. Yeah, the, well, they've been at it a long ass time. A long time. It's the family biz. And their tactics <laughs> were successful, and soon the Bean Clan grew. Through incest and inbreeding, 18 <gasps> grandsons and 14 <gasps> granddaughters were added to the family.
1: Only only within the family? Yep.
0: Have you seen Yikes. The Hills
1: Have Eyes? Yeah, but I don't remember it at all. I saw I it like when this. it came out. It's pretty much the this ca- exact
0: the- plot line. Yeah, the seaside cave is different. This is like they're in the desert and there's like a ghost town that they've kind of like inhabited. But other than that, it's very similar. Praying off of tourists, basically. And they're all inbred and, like, disgusting-looking human beings. I just
1: remembered liking
0: it. I just don't remember anything, any details. It's time for a rewatch. So, the raiding parties were large enough to take whole groups of travelers at once now, conducting military guerrilla-style raids, killing and disappearing back into their cave. So Mm -hmm. now feeding this many people the list of missing persons was finally extensive enough to be noticed fearful villagers did what fearful people do they formed uh, posses conducting searches for outsiders or suspects often innkeepers who were the last people to see the victims alive and then conducted brutal mob justice literally lynching many innocent people that they believed to be responsible so people are getting murdered by this horrifying incest Just to keep quiet. group and then they're also being murdered by false suspicion by the mob. Oh. So, like, all, all other people are now being killed, not by, not at the hands of this family immediately, but as a result of what mm. this family is doing. Mm-hmm. So, it's like their death count is real high. Mm. So, however, when the disappearances continued, even after the mobs would like pick out a suspect and murder them. The mobs would realize that they had gotten it wrong and then conduct more vigilante searches. They don't like learn from their mistakes. They just are like, oh well we must like, have. Like, been wrong wrong. One, yeah, but let's we'll go after the next innkeeper. Exactly. Oh no. So the Bean Clan's ingenious hideout and willingness to live like cave dwelling trolls is likely what kept them from being discovered at this point. The Bean family way of life could not continue undiscovered forever, of course, and eventually something always goes wrong. That is the plot of any good horror film. Mm -hmm. So they set upon a man and his wife as they return from a carnival fair. The mutant beans grappled the man's wife and pulled her from her horse, stripped her of her dress, and disemboweled and started eating her before they knew, before, like, this woman even really knew what was going on. Like, it happened so fast. She was just descended on by this mob, and they literally stripped her and started eating her. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yep. The husband, likely fueled by fear and rage, fought back, producing a pistol and a sword and seriously wounding one of the beans, like, in the middle of this melee. The gunfire alerted another group of fairgoers who happened upon the grizzly scene in time to see the man being attacked drive his horse over his attackers and break loose. So this guy got away and now there are witnesses that see mm-hmm. this horde with one of them injured and another party of armed men riding in the riding in, the Bean clan fled the scene leaving behind a brutally murdered woman and a shit ton of witnesses. The and a lot took,
1: of leftovers. That and they a, and a shit ton yeah. of leftovers. What a waste. <laughs> God. Think about the environment beans. They come back Rude. with Tupperware. Yep.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. As Lucy says, food waste really chaps her ass. I hate it. I hate it. I know. Um, uh. The witnesses took the horrific story of a filthy, murderous war band to the chief magistrate of Glasgow, who put two and two together with a long list of vanished persons and took the matter to the king. Taking it to the king. Mm, mm, mm. So King James I was so aghast at the horrific story that he gathered a group of 400 soldiers and dozens of his trained tracker dogs. I don't blame him. I would have done the same thing.
2: Yeah. Fucking like, scorched send- earth. Enough yes. is enough.
0: Send the mm-hmm. Space Force. Yep. Send everything mm-hmm. we've got. Mm-hmm. So upon reaching the area, the King's Posse was joined by a huge group of local volunteers, and together they set out on the largest manhunt in Scotland's history. The cave hideout was missed again by human searchers, but the hounds do not forget the hounds. Mm-hmm. Quickly locked in on the smells emanating from the cave, and of after
1: thirty-six
0: fucking people living in a cave, yeah, living in a living cave, in a cave. <laughs> yeah. And after decades of terror and murder, the Bean Clan's cave hideout was finally discovered. Oh, yep. So. This is by far the most horror movie moment of the whole story. Men in armor with swords and spears drawn, navigating a nearly mile-long cave passage by torchlight, oh thinking they're looking God. for common cutthroats, only to find human skulls, bones, and body parts set up as gruesome decoration. Piles this should be of- a movie. Oh, weird. <laughs> Piles. It. it is, The Rescuers. Piles and piles of clothes and stolen goods (laughs) heaped in the cavern.
1: We get a cartoon with mice, friendly mice. I'm here, really cultured. (laughs) Yeah, who wears tiny hats and
0: inexplicably (laughs) from Australia? Yeah, Uh, limbs and hued torsos hanging from hooks in. That were, like, affixed to the ceiling, dangling oh, down like, like chandeliers. meat in a butcher's window. Yeah, cool. A huge pickling barrel and jars mm. filled with human meat and organs. Like, this Love is a, this is my dream home.
1: Love it. That is the, the most,
0: aesthetic is, I'm going for. I know. This is the most beautifully curated curiosities cabinet I've ever <laughs> heard of. All 48 members of the Sawney Bean clan were arrested after, without much of a struggle... The Beans were outnumbered and trapped and surrendered without violence, but reportedly spat threats and vile insults at their captors until the bitter end. Caught red-handed, the Sawney Beans were all sentenced to death and summarily executed. Mm, I don't usually, like, support the death penalty, but this was the only way. Weren't some of them still children? I mean, I don't know if they were still children at this point. They were probably young. Teens and young twenties at the at the oldest. It was a different time. It was a different time, and they were like literal monsters. So some things yeah. just can't be fixed. Yeah, yeah.
1: These these folks were not going to be rehabilitated into yeah. society.
0: Inbreeding, raised in a cave with a taste for human flesh. I'm sorry. Not viewing yeah. other people as human beings. Can't. Yeah, they they
2: have been indoctrinated. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So the manner in which they were executed was just as gruesome and torturous as anything that they had done to their victims. So the, if they had penises, they were cut off mm-hmm. and their backs were broken on a breaking wheel, which if <laughs> no you've thanks. never seen a breaking wheel from like medieval yeah. mm-hmm. torture mm-hmm. times, not good. It's not and then good. their limbs were removed from their bodies while they were still living.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow.
0: Well, yeah. It was the 60s. It was, it was, the, was the, 60s, the 60s. The 1660s. Mm-hmm. The only thing, mm-hmm. uh,
2: I, I don't feel bad for the parents, but I do feel bad for the kids having, I mean, it's not mm-hmm. like they had a choice.
0: Mm-mm. Right. This was the lifestyle
2: that they yeah. were born it's into. It's the only
0: thing they ever knew. It's not like they yeah. were shown ever some sort of no. alternative option. Humanity ever. of any kind. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Um, One report said, quote, they all died without the least sign of repentance, but continued cursing and vending the most dreadful imprecations to the very last gasp of life. Mm -hmm. Nothing's written like that anymore. So beautiful. Apparently, the family had been so thoroughly brainwashed and was so loyal to their evil patriarch that not even torture could break them. Um, The women were burned together in huge bonfires along with the children. At this time, it was believed that once you had eaten human flesh, there was no coming back as you had now developed the cannibal appetite. Disagree. Um, but I, I, know. I haven't and we,
1: developed that appetite, so I don't know. I, I know. have not.
0: We covered that in the cannibalism episode. That's obviously a fear-mongering mm-hmm. folklore, but like still a little creepy. Another story tells that one of the members of the Sonny Bean clan who had escaped— Her vile family and taken refuge in a nearby village started a new life. However, the story states that her parentage was discovered when the family's very public capture and execution were carried out and the girl was taken and hung at the hairy tree outside of town. Oh, my God. They even hung her and she had, like, gotten out? I mean, that's, like, one version of the story. So I don't even know if that's true. Right. But also, but if that is true, that doesn't shock me. I'm going to be honest. Um, Legend says that when her sentence was being carried out, she screamed at the villagers, excuse me, quote, if you had tasted it, you wouldn't be able to resist either. Oh, that sounds
1: real. Cool.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can see a really ridiculous, grotesque wax sculpture of Sonny Bean and hear this grisly story upon visiting the Tower of London, where purportedly he and his whole family were executed for cannibalism. Um, And there should be a... photo on the drive slash blog of some of this stuff not like a photo photo but like there's some pictures some drawings oh this is the this is the wax photo uh the wax figure he's literally holding a knife and fork and like wearing a tunic but that's a wax statue replica of sonny bean Ick! i know <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it so bad and so amazing? So bad. It's I love a good wax figure. Oh, yeah. Madame Tussauds is my favorite. Oh yeah. So that is residing at the Tower of London. Sonny Beans clan may be responsible for as many as 1,000 murders over the 25 years they were operating as roadside murderers. They also might be a nasty piece of propaganda cooked up by the English to make the Scots seem more animal Mm. and therefore Mm. in need of good English policing. Mm -hmm. A trend that might be coming to a close after hundreds of years due to Brexit. Hooray! Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Um, Yeah. It's That's also
0: a really possible a wax figure. That's a It wax is a really figure? good wax yeah. figure. Yeah. It looks yeah. like a photo. It's real good. Damn. I mean it is a photo of a wax figure. Oh, meta. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's also possible that this legend is stitched together from many different stories of murderers, but as we've seen horror stories are always taken, told and retold, picked apart and put back together teller by teller, limb by limb. And that is my case. Always (laughs) tell people you work in finance. (laughs) You work in brigandry. That that was (laughs) really
1: good. Apparently, I really need to rewatch The Hills Have Eyes because I completely forgot all of it.
0: We need to rewatch that and we need to rewatch Interview with a Vampire.
1: Yeah. And What what Lies Beneath. beneath.
0: For the 20th
1: time, yes. Which was the movie that we watched after prom one year, if you remember. It really Mm -hmm. was. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Oh, All right. I love well, it. special thanks this week to our fan picker Carrie Hammond. We thank didn't really you, Carrie. talk about the movie Carrie that much, but
0: thank this was you a for fun one. Pick. I had a really yeah. good time with this one. Yeah,
1: I liked this one.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, thank you. Also, kicking off our five dollar a month tier, Maggie Ashley. Mm. Uh, Dead ash. Oh, dead ash!
0: Love it. Thank you to Dark Arts by Adrian.
2: I think that was a typo on their part, but it is spelled Dark's Arts on Patreon. Could be dark
0: Arts. I want to play darts with Dark's Arts mm-hmm. and Adrian. Thank you for your donation. Thank you also to Becca Walsh. Um
1: mm. I'm just letting generosity, generosity over, over me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Amazing.
2: Thank you also, Leslie Palomani. Mm. I've always wanted a Pomelanian dog. Oh <laughs> you've, you've inspired you. me.
0: <laughs> I love Pomelanians. Um Thank you to Claire Champagne. Wow. Woo. I am raising a glass to you, Claire Champagne. I hope that's if that's your, your real, name. real last name, that is so lucky. I'm so yeah. jealous. Can you
1: imagine? Oh. Thank you also to Megan Sanders. You are the Democratic nominee mo- candidate, most likely. Thank you, S- Megan Sanders. Sanders 2020.
2: <laughs> Speaking of rad last names, thank you, Miss Pink Cloud. I don't even I like
0: it. I Could can't be. even wrap my head around
2: that, uh, Miss Pink Cloud. You got some pink
0: elephants dancing. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Kelly T- Teeker or teacher. Tiger I need you or to, neither. I need you to teach me how to pronounce your last name, <laughs> <laughs> please.
1: Thank you, Julie Odom. Uh, you didn't owe us, but you paid us. Thank you for your (laughs) donation. Thank you, Elaine Robetke. Uh,
2: I'm so sick of Robetkick phone calls about the
0: election. Yeah, hard same. (laughs) Thank you, Elaine, for not giving us a cold call. (laughs) Good one. Thank you, Shirley Brewer. With your amazing, generous donation, I'm going to be able to afford a tall, cold, frosty glass of brew on the road Mm -hmm. on tour.
1: Thank you to Samantha Albers. I'll be seeing you. (laughs) Alber. I got nothing else. Nailed it. Albers. Yeah.
2: Thank you, Megan Therese Vaughn. Wow, beautiful! We we can really tie one, Vaughn. S- thanks to your donation,
0: <laughs> amazing. Thank you, Alicia Winzenberg, full of whimsy and Weisenbergness. Mm,
1: we're gonna buy some Winzenberg with your yep. donation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are. Thank you also to Louise, possibly Louise DeFeo, but she's ooh, dead, so ooh. not her.
0: So not possibly.
1: Never mind. <laughs> Different Louise. Thank you very much. Thank you, Karenina. Mm.
2: <laughs> <laughs> nice. El Icelandic, maybe? Su- maybe. Do you put nickels mm. in the oven?
0: Oven and make music? El <laughs> 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 I like it. Okay. Thank you, Mary Gray Mahoney, Macy Gray. <laughs> Macy Gray. And what's her song? I try to take yeah, a goodbye, say goodbye, goodbye but I choke, and, I and I choke. choke. <laughs> I try to marry Gray and I crumble. <laughs> so I try to hide it. It's, it's clear. Claire. Mary Gray Mahoney, what well, you want to eat? <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Hey,
1: Thank you to Libby. Balog, for increasing your donation. Any, any thoughts here, guys?
0: Um, <laughs> don't throw off the balance of the bog. Let's just move balog. Drop a log. <laughs> We're moving balog. Moving right blog <laughs> Oh, thank you,
2: Carrie, Roger. Roger that, Carrie. Thank you for your mm-hmm. increase from two to five
0: dollars a month. Cause you can do you're that. You're
1: a jolly Roger.
0: Oh yeah. Love it. Uh thank you to Dana kicking off our ten dollar a month tier. You're gonna be getting a fucking patriarchy flexible wine glass in the mail. Uh damn, Dana. Can't wait to see what you do with that glass. Could be Dana. Just use it. Just use it to drink wine. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going with Dana. <laughs> thank Banana you. Dana.
1: Thank you to Corey Shearer. The wine glass is pretty Shearer. Ooh, don't put it in the dishwasher.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Emily Brat. You're not a. Br- <laughs> oh well, I wonder if it was maybe brand. You're a brat, brat. Oh, it's almost summertime to grill some brats, mm, but not Emily's brat. brats.
0: Mm-mm uh yes thank you to eden i want to live in your garden eden i want to be eating mm. some pasta right now
1: yeah big time yeah.
0: i'm i'm only thinking about dinner yeah. and it's Moving. only three o'clock <laughs> right log <belong>. yeah <laughs> thank right you to, uh,
1: thank you to dominique white didn't we have a dominique blanc I think episode? we did. Yes,
2: we did. I wonder if it's the same person. I wonder. They're arch
0: nemeses. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, e- one's an evil twin, but you don't yes. know which. We need it's a dominate. dominate Noir.
0: You know yeah. it's, yes.
1: All right, thank oh, you. So
0: good. Thank you,
1: Ashley
2: Mothershed, for your increase from $1 to $10. Mm-hmm. I wonder if We've it's hit the Mothershed. Mothershed. Yes, we have hit Mothershed. Mothershed.
0: <laughs> I'm, I've right. been
2: smothered by my mother
0: <laughs> <Smothers>. <laughs> Kelly Brown I'm so glad that this one fell on me um, <laughs> Kelly Brown is a brilliant brilliant Quinn or King or neither or neither or both who wants Kenyon and Lucy to admit that Star Wars and Fast and Furious are great movies LOL so you have to do it no. admit it they I've seen, seen one of each Franchise. Just say, one of you say Star Wars and the other say Fast and Furious and then just say our great movies. And then movies. you say our great movies. All nope, right. you have to say it. <laughs> Lucy, you start. Star Wars is a great
1: movie to a lot of people. The, okay. And <laughs> same with Fast and Furious. Fast wow. The Fast and the Furious. No, wow, that's like one movie, of
2: the spinoffs, I think. Yeah, it's not a spinoff. So. It's just, God damn it. Isn't oh, there fast and furious and the fast and the furious?
0: Or is it They're faster and furiouser? Oh, my word. I, we don't have time. Keep going.
1: Fastest and furiousest. Next <laughs> is Fauna Pettit. And I Ooh, wanna pet it. I
0: wanna pet it.
1: <laughs> With consent.
0: <laughs> OMG, I wanna pet it.
1: Oh, thank you, Brittany
0: Varga. Uh I... We will follow you near and Varga. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Maddie Gregory. We're not Don't, maddie at you. We're not maddie at you. About it at all because mm. you increased your donation for five to ten dollars. Thank
1: you so much. And in the trash queen or king or neither or both category, 15 bucks a month, getting a wine glass, getting some dusty, dusty trash from Lucy's house, probably some dusty trash from my house because I'm moving soon, is Casey and JoJo. Thank you, Casey, for <laughs> the soundtrack of our, our lives.
0: one <laughs> like lives. Casey. Thank you. And we <laughs> thank you God that God. we that we finally <laughs> found you.
2: Thank okay. you, Chris Wayner, who's kicking off our twenty-five dollars a month cheer, which means you get to pick a topic and/or quit and or wine or a Wayne.
0: Wayne,
1: <laughs> <laughs> send us your Wayne
0: picks. Yeah, okay. but no Wainer we are picks. not picks. Soliciting Wayner picks
1: right now. That's what, that's what I meant. No. I meant wine, not Wayne. Wine picks, not Wayne picks. If you know what I mean. Keep it hey, in your pants, Chris Wainer. Well, this person requested Lilo me. So oh, thank my stars! <laughs> thank you to Dalen Gross Klaus. Mm. Um, you're,
0: you're not, not gross.
1: you're not gross class to us. You are Santa Claus to us.
0: <laughs> thank you. so <laughs> Santa much. Claus is gross class. Dale. 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 My fourth.
1: My fourth Dale. Gross class. <laughs> Dale. Um,
2: gross class. All right. We'll just go back to me. Thank you. Yep. Genie O'Brien. You sent a couple emails. So thank you for clarification on your
0: name. Jeannie, mm-hmm. Jeannie, don't be a weenie. Come to mm. one of our live shows. <laughs> yes, we're not lying about Jeannie O'Brien. Oh, there we go. Uh, thank you, Lauren, Ranny, and I Ranny. I Ranny so mm. far away.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you to Ryan Ladina, who increased from $5 to $25 a month, going to get to pick their own wine. Wayne. Mm. <sighs> Show uh, us your winer picks. <laughs> Um you are as great as
0: uh, Jesse
1: Medina is that a person
0: nailed it well, yeah that's me. fine That's fine. We did it. (laughs) Keep going.
1: All
2: right. And for some once-off donations, if you, like all of Amanda's exes, are afraid of commitment, you can make a once-off, one-time donation at our online store, Wine and Cry Podcast, up at cartel.com, as did Tammy Rossiter with their $10 donation. Tammy wants to shout out their gateway gal, Sarah Rogers.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. I love that! Thanks, Tammy. Yeah, and Brandon heady headed on down to our online store to donate mm-hmm. twenty five dollars once off. Thanks, Brandon. I believe yeah. Brandon was at our NASCAR show. It's very oh, possible
1: NASCAR. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you to last but not least, Katana Kune. fifty dollars once off. Um, you are pss-
0: so cuniful, Cuny Pie. Us.
1: Cuny pie, Thank you, Kitana. And I got All a right. joke.
0: Oh, no. Go.
2: So I've just started reading my first ever braille horror story. Oh, wow. And I think something scary is about to happen. I can feel it. You know? I can feel it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Nice. Oh, God. Okay. Well, All thank right. you for that. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> Good
2: Lord,
3: Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
2: Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Wine and Crime Pod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wine and podcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts.
1: Hey, wine and crime listeners, this is Jenny. And this is
2: Danelle from Sip, Survive, Repeat. We're a weekly podcast that talks about outrageous survival stories
1: while drinking our favorite wines. What do we mean by survival stories? You mean like the hostage situation at Good Guys Electronics? Or the time some lady was attacked by a bear and lived? What about true crime? Everybody loves true crime. Oh yeah, we do kidnap survivors, cult survivors, attempted murder survivors, and more. Tune in every Tuesday to download a new episode.
2: Think of this as your true crime obsession with a happier ending. Hey, we'll see you
1: next Tuesday.